Hi friends, this is Will Parker. Before we jump into this week's Principal Matters episode, I wanted to give you a few updates. You know, when the pandemic began across the globe, education leadership as we all knew it changed. And my work through Principal Matters changed as well. In addition to the work that I do here in Oklahoma, I had to cancel lots of -of out-of-state Principal Matters trainings. And like you, I began to learn new ways to coordinate virtual trainings. And ironically, by the time the 21-22 school year began, I had more invitations to conduct trainings online than I had even in-person events. And the good news is that I have been busier than ever doing events for leaders in Ohio and Minnesota and Kentucky and Alabama and Texas. So thank you for those of you who listen to Principal Matters and then reach out asking for additional PD and opportunities to learn together in more depth. I've also enjoyed additional one-on-one coaching opportunities with education leaders. And having said all that, it may seem strange to be talking about next school year already, but as we're wrapping up 2021, I'm already working on my calendar for 2223. And as a listener, I wanted to give you a heads up first, as I only book a select number of days a year for virtual trainings or out-of-state travel with Principal Matters. So if you or your leadership team are interested in professional learning opportunities for this upcoming semester or next school year, now is the time to plan ahead. And my offerings include keynotes on any of my books, half-day, full-day, multiple-day workshops on principal, leadership development, mastermind group offerings, and executive coaching. And if you'd like to find out more, you can visit my website at williamdparker.com and click on the Work With Will tab, or just reach out to me in my email at will at williamdparker.com, and I'd be glad to answer any questions or set up a phone conference with you. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as Jen Schwanke and I answer a question from a principal about how to manage teachers who are stirring the pot. Thanks for all that you're doing, and thanks for doing what matters. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 273. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring innovative and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm here with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, Assistant Superintendent at Dublin City Schools and the author of two great books on principal leadership. Jen, welcome back. I hope you've had a great Thanksgiving holiday, and we are going to do some, again, answering principal questions. And this week's question is, what do you do about a teacher who likes to stir the pot? with other teachers on the staff. And I'm just going to pause because there, maybe there's some folks out there that don't, that don't know what that means. Right. So I, I, um, I want to deconstruct this phrase a little bit. We use it a lot, stir the pot. And I think in order to address teachers who stir the pot, principals need to make sure that first it isn't a pot that in fact, does need stirring. So, um, you know, when we think about stirring the pot, it's usually someone who's questioning, who's um, causing a little bit of a stink here and there, who's kind of resisting school initiatives, whatever it might be. And so my, you know, my first step when I think stirring the pot again is I think, well, wait a minute, why don't I want that pot stirred? What is it that's making me resistant? And that's really a self-reflection, right? It's about, you know, 
determining whether a teacher is um, simply disagreeing with my thought process and why that bothers me so much. One of my favorite phrases is just because someone disagrees with you doesn't make them wrong. And I try to think about that a lot in this context context. Now, with that said, there are teachers who sometimes consistently, constantly, legitimately disrupt what a principal is trying to do. And I I assume that's the root of this question that one of our listeners provided. Uh, But I did want to pause just to make sure that that we all say that sometimes pot stirrers have something to say. Um, Another real quick thing about that too, Will, is if you've got more than one pot stir, if you've got about 20 pot stirs and they're all saying the same thing, then it's probably an issue that needs addressed. And, and so one pot stir versus 20, 30 or a whole staff, that's worth looking into as well. Jen, I'm so glad you started there because in Principal Matters listeners, we will give you some ideas of ways you might be addressing these kinds of people that are legit, legitimately poisoning school culture. But before we go there, I think it really is important that you first reflect because often when I'm talking to leaders who will also ask the question, what do I do about a, um, a negative teacher? What do I do about a teacher who's got a bad attitude every time we ask for something to be done? The first question I ask is, well, have you checked your own attitude first? And I don't say that to be mean. I say that because often we're modeling what we're sometimes we're modeling how teachers are responding to us. And I'm, I've been guilty of that where I'm seeing, I'm seeing a behavior in a teacher. And then if I go look in the mirror, I'm thinking, Hmm, I think that may have been how I responded to that district initiative or how I responded in front of some of my colleagues to that request I didn't like. And so the first question has to be, how are we modeling the kinds of response to difficulties that we want to see other people modeling first? Because if that's an area where we need some self-correction, then own it. And, and decide. And, and I can tell that story, like I, I may have told you the story before, Jim, but I'm just going to tell it again for principal managers listeners. But I remember one particular year of this was years ago when I was still in an AP role where we had some real drama going on in our district. And I was coming home every day angry, just angry. And my wife, every night when she would ask me, how was the day? I would just, just vent and vent and vent. Well, several months passed and she, you know, the being the patient person that she is, and you've told you've heard me tell stories about my my wife Missy before. Sometimes she can finally just be really blunt, and so finally one night when I came home and I was just venting, she said, "Well, man, you've been angry for months now about the situation. We've talked about this for a long time, but I have a question for you. How much do you think is going to change by just simply complaining?" And it was like one of these questions where she wasn't trying to like hurt my feelings. It was like legitimate, like this was a, this was, she, she chose the right timing because I realized right then that I had not moved from complaining to solution. I was just dwelling on the things that just irritated and made me angry without thinking about what could I own in that situation to begin to model the kind of change I wanted to see in that mind shift is really helpful, Jen, when you start confronting other people who might need to have those same conversations about their mindset. 
Right. Right. I, I love that story. Will, because I've thought about um, when you have a staff member or a group of staff members who are um, causing that level of stress in a principal to the point where they take it home and they're constantly, um, you know, let, let's just go with the analogy, constantly stirring it back up, stirring, stirring, stirring within their own mind and their own leadership. I look at it as, as we really have three decisions or three choices. One is we fight back. We look for solutions and we try to end the drama or the resistance that's going on. Second, we can sit in it, which is what Missy pointed out you were doing. We can just sit there and deal with it and vent to people we love, or we can let it go. Fight back, sit in it, or let go. And and I think there's not a right answer for every situation. For there's not one right answer. Every situation is different. And as leaders, that's kind of what we're charged to do: is decide which one of those things we're going to choose. And all of them are wrong in some situations, and all of them are right in some situations. You really have to kind of think through it. And then, as we talked about earlier, that self reflection has to be the first step. So. So as an example, I, I spoke with a principal a few weeks ago who was noticeably and um, and really consciously angry at a particular teacher because it just always seemed like there was an issue. It was a, a teacher who was very gossipy, who liked to tattle on her peers, who um, liked to tattle on kids, who was always dramatic. Um, some of her behaviors were really bordering on insubordination and refusal. And so I said to the principal, you know, you can, you can fight back and you can make, you can sit down and talk with her. You can make a plan for how to end this. You can deal with it or you can let it go. And what you have to think about in all of these is what are you're being watched? Like you said, well, everyone is seeing how you're going to model this solution. And so you have to think of it really as a value added choice. Where is the most, according to your response, what is going to be the most value that comes to your students and your staff and, and make the decision according to that? Yeah. And Jen, that's so helpful too, for me to think about the perspective of leading staff if, if I can bring it back to the context of a good classroom, right. think about think about good classroom teachers and how they manage the dynamics because every single year when you step into a classroom, and if you're a secondary person, you may have six classrooms and in elementary may have all kinds of specials too, but every single year you step into a new dynamic of personalities and drama and conflicts and opinions and how you manage those things often will determine how the rest of your year goes. And so I, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to leaders about these things, but I just think sometimes we need to say them. That just like in a classroom, that if you try to directly confront every time you see something negative happening, you're going to suddenly find yourself with all of the focus of the class being on the negative. But if you learn how to quickly address something to redirect someone who's being negative or sometimes privately address someone who's being negative and then move back, but keep your emphasis on where we're going, moving forward, reaching our outcomes, the positivity of the group of, as a whole, then you create momentum for where you are, where you want everyone to be. So I know it's really easy to think about like, okay, I have a teacher who's stirring the pot. And so let me just go confront them. Well, you know what? There may be an opportunity where that direct conversation is necessary there also may be the opportunities where you need to make sure that what you're addressing to the group as a whole is something more positive in leading them all in a, in a direction. And in, in whatever the context is, never let your eyes get taken away from 
what is the overall goal that we're trying to reach here as a school for the betterment of kids, for the learning environment, for the outcomes for parents? Because at the end of the day, it's so easy to get sucked in to those negative moments and they define your day or they define the outcomes of your school. And then they completely distract you from the whole reason that you're there in the first place. Right, right. And now seems like a beautiful time to talk about one of the one of the um, landmines that principals should avoid at all costs. And that is addressing one pot stir by talking to the entire staff. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it always feels like the easiest thing to do. I'm going to send an email to 90 people and remind them that it's never okay to badmouth students in the lounge or whatever the, the issue is when really it's only one person doing that. And boy, that's a quick way to create a whole bunch of pot stirrers because, because teachers are really resentful when they are reprimanded for the behaviors of one or two. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of our listeners have heard this many, many times, but it's, it's just important to repeat. And, and I do want to really go in on this issue and offer some suggestions for toxic teachers. How can principals really go in and, and, fix that problem. What I have found is um, confrontation rarely works. Um, all staff reprimands do not work. What does work is honesty and clear, articulate conversation and addressing it for what it is. So a friend of mine um, found great success going in and talking to a teacher and saying, you know, there's repeated um, events where you have engaged in a particular behavior. And it just feels like you're stirring the pot. Like he named it, he owned it. And the teacher was kind of taken aback and said, well, I don't, I don't intend to stir the pot. And he said, but that's, that's what's happening. So my perception is my reality. Tell me what your intentions are. And so he found a great deal of success just simply by owning it. But again, you have to have a relationship with your teachers to be able to to talk in that way in a, in a safe environment and distinguish between whether or not the behavior that the student, that the teacher is exhibiting is stirring the pot or just asking some good questions and, and um, drawing attention to a problem that needs fixed. That's so good, Jen. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of how to tell the story without divulging confidentiality. So I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best, but I was in a conversation with a, a principal friend recently who had been managing a group of teachers who had sent out a communication to the staff um, on behalf of that group and had really mischaracterized some of the things that the principal had said in a meeting. And so he reached back and asked for a follow-up meeting. And what I really appreciated about the leadership in this situation was instead of responding by email, which it would we would so be tempted to do, he went and had a face-to-face with the group and, and just expressed, here's how I really want these kinds of conversations to be able to go. And here's, you know, my intention when we're communicating is that each of us is represented honestly and clearly to the rest of our staff. And it was, it was difficult and uncomfortable for that whole situation to unfold the way that it did. But the outcome of it was the courage that he had to go back to a face-to-face situation, express clearly and openly what he wanted the outcomes to be, and then to see them respond in kind in this situation. Um, and so that takes a lot of courage and a lot of wisdom because there are times I've also been in situations where there may be a staff person who's just really being either insubordinate or hostile. And that person needs a very firm, clear in writing directive of these things are going to stop 
because they're 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 not helpful for the organization or the outcomes of our school. But Jen, you and I both know that every one of those situations re- requires different dynamics and different input and a different level of of um, action. I heard this was actually on a podcast my wife was listening to recently where the speaker was talking and I was listening in and I grabbed this because I thought, oh, that's so good. The speaker was talking about the difference between a compass and a map. And, and the speaker was saying that so often what we want in life is a map. Just tell me what to do. But really often what we need is a compass. The, the wisdom to know in this situation, which direction should I go? And principal matters listeners, you probably are sometimes either catching or being irritated by the fact that Jen and I will often say it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just depends. There's not always like just one thing you do in these situations. All of the relationships and all of the layers are important pieces of knowing what to do in this. And it's also why it's important to pick up the phone and call a friend, you know, and have these kinds of conversations that Jen and I are just having one on one, but we're having within the context of you guys listening. But man, when I'm in those kinds of situations where I'm unsure, I'm calling a friend because I want to make sure that I'm thinking this thing through with someone else's perspective too, not just my own. It's that's such great advice. My, um, my husband is an educator as well, and we kind of problem solve a lot and what we will do. And I say this because it's a great game to play with that colleague. You call, you can play out best case scenario and worst case scenario. So, okay. There's a teacher I'm struggling with best case scenario. If I go talk to them is this worst case scenario is this. And then you kind of play that movie out on both ends. And that way you can articulate what your goals are and see what's going to get you there more quickly, you know, the the fastest way. And I I am glad that you mentioned there are times to use email. I am someone who's always going to choose face-to-face if possible. However, if you have someone who's on an improvement plan or who has documented performance issues and you want it documented because it might be something you need later on down the road or because you feel that your words are misconstrued when they're taken in conversation, then that, that is a good time to use email. So really, well, when we say it depends, it's because principals have so many tools available to them and it depends on countless factors, which pool tool you're going to pull out to use. And you have to be an aware and um, compassionate and empathetic and strong and courageous leader to be able to pick out any tool in that toolbox. But, but they all have a purpose. You just got to know when, when to use which one. Oh, that's so good, Jen. And I'm going to so steal that strategy that you and your husband <laughs> use in terms of let's, let's, let's play this out. You right. know, best, best, best case scenario, worst case scenario. Jen, I can't tell you how many times I've listened back to our episodes when I'm editing and I'll catch something that you said the second or third time. And I don't know what it is about like um, listening to like conversations for these podcasts that almost always like bring a, like a light bulb on. So <laughs> I had the light bulb like the first time you said it this time. So I can't wait to, to see what happens to the, when I'm, when I'm doing the editing on this. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, when, when someone's trying to manage that person who's, who's stirring the pot um, and, and sometimes they, they want to push back, you know, or they want to, um, they want to fight back or they want to, they want to make the life even more difficult for you, Jen, how do you, how do you keep, how do you manage those kinds of, cause you know, principals are managing those situations even right now. How do you manage those kinds of situations and still maintain perspective? I think this is, this is where principals need to do a little bit of a math problem in their head. If you have one teacher who's just constantly 
you know, causing unrest, causing drama, making you feel that you are not an effective principal, making you feel a failure every day, you have to do a little bit of numbers game in your head and say, okay, listen, I might have 50 teachers on staff. There is one, there is one of them who is doing this, who's renting enough of my own headspace that I am not my effective, my most effective self. And remember that, you know, there might be 49 other people watching and looking to see how you handle it. And so from that, I draw two things from this. I draw comfort and I draw courage. So it's comforting to me to know that I'm not standing alone. And there actually is the majority of the staff who need me to be strong and need me to do what I can to end the toxicity. And then that, of course, leads to the courage, the courage to have the hard conversations, the courage to set up a face-to-face meeting, the courage to say the truth and say, you know, not, not put sugar coating all over my feedback, but to really say, Hey, this is where I'm going to need you to change. If you're going to be part of our staff, we can't have these particular behaviors and knowing, like I said, doing that math problem and knowing that it's just one or maybe two that are making you feel this awful. The rest of them are probably really on your side and rooting for you because no one likes to work with a toxic staff member, not even colleagues. And so again, comfort and courage can come from, from remembering it's a small, small, small minority that are making this many problems. Well, Jen, let me make a couple of book recommendations for principals who may want to dive deeper. And they're going to be two different authors who I think have two different but good perspectives on this. The first is What Do Great Principles Do Differently by Todd Whitaker? Because in that book, Todd Whitaker will talk about what you were mentioning earlier in the podcast about avoiding the shotgun approach is what I call it, avoiding blasting all of your teachers when you have a concern with one. He also talks about the importance of framing the positive outcomes that you want for all of your school members when you're communicating with them. So in other words, instead of the announcement, teachers, I'm tired of you missing your bus duty. Don't forget to be out there today. Instead, that announcement should be, teachers, I appreciate it when you are on duty every day. Thank you so much for covering your duties today, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the bus line. See the difference? Right. One makes the assumption that people aren't doing their jobs, and those who aren't then feel affirmed that they're not doing their jobs. And the superstars, the ones who always are, are feeling guilty, even though they haven't done anything wrong. And the more positive approach affirms those who are doing their job right. And maybe somebody who's not suddenly is questioning, oh, I guess everybody else is doing their work. So maybe I should be too. And so there's a different mindset in that approach. And I have a second book, Rick, but let me let you respond to that first. No, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. And I wanted to say that most of us would agree it would never be okay to do this with students, right? It would never be okay to get 200 students in a room and say, now, some of you have not turned in your permission slip for the field trip. And so until you do, we are going to not, you know, we won't go on the field trip or whatever. We would never do that. We would call out the six students who didn't have their field trip permission slip, and we would deal with that. And so uh, when we work with children, we just have to think that those same mindsets and those same philosophies should really apply to adults as well. Yes. And the second book that I'll recommend is Dr. Anthony Anthony Muhammad's Transforming School Culture, because what I really appreciate about that book is in addition to identifying the kinds of staff that you work with in a normal school setting, he does specifically address the importance of crucial conversations with people on your staff who are either misplaced and need additional support or toxic. 
and are poisoning the rest of your culture. And so he talks about crucial conversations and the importance of making sure that, like you had mentioned earlier, that you're honestly, objectively addressing those with targeted conversations. Not everybody needs to hear that conversation, but that person needs a targeted conversation. So I would highly recommend principal managers, listeners, if you want to read two books that that both touch on those leadership dynamics from different perspectives. I think Todd Whitaker's book is more from the perspective of school-wide communication, where Anthony Muhammad's book is a little more targeted on those individual conversations. Both of them, I think, are valuable perspectives to have as you step into leadership. Well, Jen Schwanke, I so appreciate the opportunity to answer principal questions with you. Any other closing thoughts as we wrap up this week and before we say goodbye? No, I'm really enjoying answering these questions from our listeners because they're real life. This is the stuff, you know, this is the work that we're doing. And so um, hopefully we're able to provide some guidance and support and ideas. And if nothing else, hopefully we're able to provide the reassurance that no one's doing this alone. A lot of the problems that you're dealing with, so is your friend across the, across the town or across the county or across the country. That's right. Well, Principal Matters listeners, thank you again for listening and thanks for doing what matters. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. You can find other free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.